Okay, hello everybody. Welcome to our Golf Only Better podcast. Delighted to be joined by Dave Tindall and Ben Coley to discuss the year so far and, of course, look ahead to the Players' Championship at TPC Sawgrass. Guys, nice to be joined with you again. Uh, let's start, before we get to Sawgrass and the players, let's just start with the year so far. I think for me, 2023 has been intriguing. Uh, Dave, I'm going to come to you first of all. How much have you enjoyed the start of the year and some of the great storylines we've had? Yeah, it's been really good, hasn't it? With um, obviously all these elevated events and £20 million purses, uh, which have got all the big guns to gather together. Um, you've, you've sort of got to get that right. I think if they do it too often, um, it becomes less special. But um, for now, it's just like, yay, another big event. So that's been good. Um, and it's been good as well that it, although there, there, there are times when it looks like John Rahm is clearly just the best player and he won three times on the West Coast. Um, so when he started so well at Bay Hill, you thought, wow, this is, what's he going to do next? And then he yeah. he vanished. So again, it was interesting to get uh, Kurt Kitayama, uh, sort of a, a David slaying the Goliath. So yeah, intriguing start to the season. I've really enjoyed it. It really has. I guess more specifically to Bay Hill in a second, but Ben, I guess for you, John Rahm, for me, he's, he's the ultimate competitor. I think the all-round game, we've talked about that in previous podcasts. Do you see him coming out of the pack, if you like. Do you see him dominating at the top of the world rankings or do you see those three at the top, Scheffler, McElroy and Ron, kind of trading places for the rest of the year? Yeah, probably the latter, I, I think, and beyond, to be honest. I think it can be quite easy to um, underestimate a little bit just how good all three of them are. I think you can argue that probably, certainly not in my lifetime, if we had three players uh, as good as that as a collective at the top of the sport. Um, I think with Ram, like when he came on the scene in, 2016 and then won at Torrey Pines in 2017 it's like he almost was so good so quickly and so comfortable and just looked like you know he's he's obviously a big guy and he just looked like a he wasn't a boy among men right he was just there and he was ready to go I think in some ways that that's made us underestimate him a little bit and probably the same a little bit with Sheffer and as for McElroy I mean his his sort of permanence in the world's top 15 you know since 2009 I think he's been a permanent fixture in the game's elite which is incredible and, and a high bar for Rahm and Scheffler to reach but um, I think they are by some way the, the best three golfers no reason you know health permitting that that won't remain the case and that's why I think when we talk about all these these other guys like a Zalatoris or Cantlay or whoever it may be as a potential world number one well it's not going to be easy um, because, you know, even for Justin Thomas, who's been there, like to, to topple all three of those can be very, very hard. Uh, but I don't see any of them uh, dominating. I think they'll be sharing a, a couple of wins each um, and then let the other have their go. Dave, do you agree with that? And, and how enticing is it? I always think we you know we're looking for the head to head to have a bit of a, a European rivalry at the top with with Rahm and McElroy. Yes, we can't discount Scheffler, but how enticing is that prospect of the three of them and in particular those two Europeans kind of battling it out, as, the, as Ben said, but yes, for this year, but for the foreseeable future as well? Yeah, I like it because they've all got different personalities, haven't they? Which is interesting. So McElroy, very thinky, Rahm was sort of the power and everything. And then Scheffler, I don't know, I think sometimes I think Scheffler's got the perfect golf temperament in that. He'll play golf and then he'll go off and play like board games with Meredith. And it's just like everything's quite easy and nice. So he's not overthinking anything. So it's like different strategies, but they're all fantastic. And yeah, I, I agree with Ben. It's like, I don't think the question is whether there'll be one dominant. It's whether a sort of more likely thing to happen is will you get four or five battling it out for world mm -hmm. number one? Because potentially there are, there are others who could 
I challenge them, but yeah, I, I do like it. I think it's three, without sort of dissing other people, I think there's a period when Tiger wasn't world number one, where it was like, almost like deep, it felt like a bit, you know, it was just sort of dropping down to someone else who just happened to be, have most points without being totally dominant. Where this time it feels like these are just three, you know, proper major winners, win loads of events. And it's just like, I don't know, I haven't checked the points tallies of the world rankings because I don't really understand them, but it seems like they've all got a high number of points. It's not just like, you know, someone's won a couple of events here and there. They've won loads of events. Yeah, and you think, obviously, John Rahm's been quite vocal about the world rankings. We won't get into that specifically because we'll be here for the next two hours. But I think that it's quite a contentious issue. And I think it just for interesting to me, obviously, a lot of the live guys having defected Cameron Smith, what's still world number five, how all that plays out um, for the rest of this year. Um, ben, when you look at Bay Hill, though, you know, these designated events, these elevated events, getting the top players playing together more often, PJ Tour kind of, it, it's been a bit of been a, bit of a dream start to the year, if you like, hasn't it? Because the stall that they've set out, they're kind of they're getting what they wanted. Probably, let's be honest, they may have wanted a, a, a bigger name winner than Kirk Kitiyama at Bay Hill, but it has been amazing to see the top guys teaming it up together more often. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the way I see it personally is like from a point of view of the job that Dave and I do, i.e., trying to predict who's going to win these things. It's a bit of a pain sometimes because you know <laughs> it's kind of always the same. Same Ram yeah. eight to one, Shefflin ten to one, Rory ten to one, and so on and so forth. And they they do all take their turns. But once the golf starts, it's undeniably brilliant to have world class players playing from first thing in the morning on a Thursday right through to the evening. Um, and there's always room in golf because golf is not you know it's not a head to head match sport where you might have the same guys win all the time it, there's always room for somebody else nick taylor was there in phoenix you know keith mitchell all right he's you know he's borderline world class himself but he was up there at riviera as the sort of the underdog and then we had kitiyama who actually was the underdog and went through and did it um i think we've kind of had everything a couple of a couple of genuine head to heads but then on sunday at bay hill a sort of a hot potato where nobody seemed to want to win it um, any one of 10 players will have felt that they should have, uh, should have. <laughs> it's been a bad couple of weeks. Um, and, and yeah, I think as the PGA Tour, you've got to be very happy. The one thing I would say is you could argue that it sort of takes the edge off. And I think Dave alluded to this. Um, it takes the edge off the players a little bit because usually we get to the players and it's like, right, finally, they've he's won that. He's won that. Well, let's get yeah. them all together. And actually, well, they've already been together four times this year, but um to counteract that or counterbalance that it is sawgrass it's always a special tournament and uh, i like the fact that we're going to a course where it, it takes these guys out of their comfort zones as well yeah definitely davis it, it, you know you have said you alluded to that it's a good point isn't it because you kind of we've kind of there's been so much and there's been so much um entertainment with those top guys playing but for you it, it, i mean it's sawgrass that stands in its own right doesn't it what's gone before for many people how much does Sawgrass, I guess, represent almost the, the start of the golfing year, the season? Yeah, now it's gone back to its um, March slot, which I much prefer. When it was in May, it kind of felt oh, lost a bit of its luster. But in in March, you can legitimately be the start of the big run of events, can't it? Then you get a major a month uh, from March. So it's like not a dress rehearsal because it's, it, it's its own special tournament. It just feels like this is a, a massive one and one that, I don't know, you can go on about that, that fifth major tag, but it's a massive one to have on your CV, isn't it? If you can win mm. this one, um, they, they all want to go and win it. And yeah, and it's its, its own unique test. I think a, a kind of weakness, I say that 
is it a weakness as such? But maybe we look at it as a strength. The strength of Augusta, it's played at the same course. Obviously, the strength of Sawgrass, we know it quite well, don't we? We know a lot of the holes. Uh, so I think any tournament, any big tournament that goes back to somewhere that's really familiar, we can enjoy it that, that much more, I think. I also think as well, Ben, you... For me, Sawgrass is, yes, we have the closing stretch. And it's, for me, it's not just about 17. I think 16 is a great hole, 17, infamous. And then 18 is just a fabulous finishing, closing hole. There's volatility all around, there's danger all around, you know, the course littered with water hazards. And I think it was interesting watching Bay Hill and McElroy talking about it. He made a comment, I'm sure you saw this, saying, you know, I don't kind of see the entertainment value in guys making bogeys and dropping out the lead. But for me, watching Bay Hill, the back nine last night, it was enthralling viewing. And I think that's what you get at Sawgrass. There's danger around every turn. The leaderboard can change in an instant. And I think that's compelling to watch. Do you agree with that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, my general thing is I like hard golf if it's broadly yeah. fair. Like, I, fair is a bit of a contentious word, but uh, I know golf isn't really meant to be fair. It's, it's played outdoors and on, on grass, which often has you know bumps and imperfections. But generally, I, I, I like good shots being rewarded, bad shots being punished. And, and as long as that's done on some sort of scale then then i like it and you know if you think about bay hill i mean yeah the greens were were very difficult but you know they've got the 16th hole which was a driver and a eight iron i think for most of them the 17th yesterday okay the pin was difficult but you know a couple of players made hit it in close there and made birdies um and and the 18th hole i mean mcelroy had 10 feet paris english had 20 feet scheffler was a yard from being all over it uh hovland hit it right over the flag there were chances there. It was just a a very rare occasion where I think uh, a lot of players just didn't perform under pressure and it's rare that it all happens at the same time. Um, But the other thing I would say is that McElroy admitted it himself. Um, He and Jordan Speed both didn't know when they were leading and I I found that absolutely staggering. I mean, McElroy is as good as admitted it might have cost him the tournament. Um, And I remember a while ago when he won at Wentworth, a couple of the guys around him were were saying, oh, I didn't watch the leaderboard. And he sort of, after that, was like, I'm I'm the world-class goal here. You're all daft. If you're not watching the leaderboard, you're doing it wrong. Um, And I couldn't believe he said that last night. So Mm -hmm. I I think anyone who didn't win at Bay Hill and uh, Hovland, Spieth, Scheffler, they all had themselves to blame, really. I, I don't think the course no. was that difficult. Um, there were birdies there, and uh, well done to Kurt Kitayama. He, he showed it. He hit it in tight on 17 and made the birdie that nobody else could. Yeah, I completely agree. I listened to that interview, and I was like, what? I just did not I did not comprehend that, he, that he'd be in that position. And, and he, yeah, it was 14, wasn't it? He said he'd, he'd have played 14 differently uh, had he known the score and seen the leaderboard, but it was quite hard to keep on, keep on track of things because the lead was changing all the time. They're just back to Sawgrass, you know, for, again, what I love about Sawgrass is I think you've seen guys in the past, you've seen big hitters win around there, shorter hitters win around there. For me, a lot of it comes to course form, though, and guys who are in form. Ball strikers golf course, a lot of people say second shot golf course. For you, what's needed to get the job done to win around TPC Sawgrass? Do you want me to do my trends piece? Yes. Yes. Yes, we do Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, as you say, yeah, you've got, Big hitters winning. You've got people like Webb Simpson winning. Um, so it's not quite as in-depth as we go into Augusta National, but um, I like to think I've done a few categories that are going to be of interest. So looking at age-wise, seven of the last eight winners were in their 20s, which is um, bad news for Rory McIlroy, who's now past his 30th birthday. Uh, world ranking, the last three since we moved back to March – 
Cam Smith 10th, Thomas 3rd, McElroy 6th. You've got a couple of number uh, ones winning, Jason Day and Tiger Woods. Um, so generally, it's a, a good player. You had a couple of Fowler was 13th when he won. A couple of um, slightly funny ones. Kaimi was 61st. Siwoo Kim, 75th. I think people thought, thought Siwoo Kim was about 300th, but he was 75th. It wasn't that much of a shock. Um, so seven of the last 10 win the World Top 16. Nationality, five American winners, a couple of Aussies. Firm and fast, that kind of makes sense. Uh, two Euros and a Korean. And then one I looked at as well, how often do you, did you need to have played there? Um, what's the ideal amount of previous appearances? It seems it's between five and nine. That would apply to eight of the last 10. So mm. Woods, when, Woods, when he won in 2013, he played it loads, 14, I think. Um, but everyone else, again, apart from Siwoo Kim is the one, is the trends breaker here. But um, he'd only played it once. But generally you've got, a lot of them have played it exactly five times, like Thomas, Day, Fowler, Keimer. So a good amount of course form is good or appearances is good. As for uh, previous best, um, again, that's fairly strong. Um, all of the last 10 winners had had a top 25 finish there and eight of the last 10 had had a top 15 finish. So generally you've kind of dropped a hint that this is a good course for you. Five had had a top six finish. And then going in, in terms of form, you mentioned form, Sarah. What, what do you, um, you, can't, you know, a lot of good current form is quite valuable. I looked at it and nine of the last 10 winners had had a top 20 in one of their previous two starts. So if you're going in with like miscut 52nd, it's like, whoa, you're going to struggle to find your, your best form there. So I... So if you if you want this to spit out a few names, so the, the top trends were um, top 16 in the world rankings, a player in their 20s, made between five and nine Sawgrass starts, um, a top 15 finish at the course, and a top 20 in one of the last their last two starts. And you get, drum roll, John Rahm, I'm sorry, that's just how it turned <laughs> out. Um, but then slightly more interesting, Matt Fitzpatrick, and Jordan Spieth, and they're kind of yeah. a little bit further down the betting. Uh, and one final kind of filter, um, seven of the last 10 Sawgrass winners had already won a major. So, Interesting. Yeah, so again, Matt Fitzpatrick, that's good. It's obviously good as well for uh, John Rahm and Jordan Spieth. Yeah, and you look, Ben, quite often, you know, you talk about, as I said, second shot or positional strategic golf course. Power isn't always absolutely key there. So Matt Fitzpatrick would be a good key for you. What what's needed around Sawgrass and and how have you identified a potential tournament winner? Yeah, I think um, a lot of it's the intangibles, really, you know, uh, good course management and patience. And I, I do like sort of the idea that there are some players here who are maybe a little bit more creative. I think if you think of all the elite golfers in the world at the moment, the one who is most proven around here is is Justin Thomas. Even Rory's the other one who's obviously won it, um, but he's got a patchy record, whereas Thomas has basically played well here every time he's come. And we know he works the ball both ways. He hits it high, he hits it low. He, he likes that that challenge. Um, obviously, one of the best iron players in the sport and something you've alluded to. I mean, the key with that really is that there are certain holes where a bad approach shot can be kind of the end of your tournament you know certainly the 17th being the most dramatic example of that but there are others as well so um yeah I think a bit of experience a bit of um know-how um and 
just uh, maybe just a little bit more accuracy than than most courses off the tee. I mean, you've got to have it in the right position to to take on those second shots. And if you look at some of the guys who've played really well here, um, you've had players like Brian Harmon and Kevin Kisner, um, mm. Jonathan Vegas, who's a, a different kind of player, but he's got a really good record at the course. Um, we've seen some of the Europeans like Alex Noren's done really well over recent years. I, I mean, ultimately, to be honest with you, there's no one fit. And that's what I like about it. I do think, you know, historically, we've called this the strongest tournament of the year. Don't think we can say that anymore. I think that will have to be the USPGA this year. Um, but I do think it's probably the levelest playing field of the year. The one where um, really it's hard to rule out anybody. Like we, we could probably knock 10 names off the list. But beyond that, and we're very, very close to having Aniban Lahiri win here last year. Um, very, very close to Furyk beating McElroy. Very close to Westwood winning it. Um, not the absolute top of the sport. Um, so, yeah, there's it's a real minefield, to be honest with you. It is. So, Ben, who who have you identified then? If you picking at looking at the market, looking at the odds, who is your tournament winner at this point in time? I, if I can take two from the top, I I, I yeah. can't leave out Justin Thomas here for the reasons mentioned. Um, I think he's just so much more comfortable than anybody else around this golf course. He he showed that his first ever visit, he shot sixty five, and there are very few players who've shot sixty five. Well, he did it in his first two visits. Um, he was brilliant when he won here. He put and won this tournament which is pretty rare in itself the other one i like is patrick cantlay and there's maybe a, a, something a little bit more hidden to this is that um talked about it a lot in my previous this year we've got players now sort of forced into playing certain schedules patrick cantlay has never played bay hill before but he had to play it because it's elevated um and i think with a lot of players it, it, that's just worth remembering because some some golfers are playing tournaments they didn't want to play in or they don't usually play in and with Cantlay he's generally turned up at the players having never not played in Florida that year he does live in Florida but he'd, he'd come from the west coast he'd have three weeks off and turn up at the players and that's really difficult to do you've not had had a pot on Bermuda greens you've not dealt with Bermuda grass around the greens it's just a different style of golf to Riviera and what have you um but if you go back to when this tournament was in May when obviously he had already played on the West Coast. He played it twice during that period, finished just outside the top 20, but I think he was second and fifth at halfway. And that's before he became this prolific champion as well. So there are loads of little reasons to think that Cantlay might benefit from this preparation. And in the more obvious, um, two top fives coming in. Um, I don't mind the fact he wasn't in the heat of battle last week. I, I don't think he ever yeah. was a potential winner. He birdied the last to post seven under. He might have briefly thought he had a chance, but I don't think so. Um, so yeah, Cantlay and Thomas are the two from me at the top, but you, you could take any two from the top 10 in the betting, to be honest. Sounds good. I was slightly distracted by the fact your dog just jumped into shot behind your right shoulder there, Ben. So, um, and he's looking to be sitting very comfortable. So, tell me your dog's name, just for that's Eddie. They need to know Eddie. That's Eddie. Yeah, yeah he's not named after Eddie Pepperell. <laughs> he's named after Eddie from Frasier. Just to make that absolutely clear. Um, but as very long good. as he stays as quiet as he is now, we'll be we'll be very happy. Eddie is very well behaved. Brilliant. So, Ben, just JT and uh, Cantlay. What what odds are we looking at, at the top of the market there? You'd be looking about 18 to 1 for both of them. I, I think it, the other thing I would say is that, you know, about 45 weeks of the year, I am desperately seeking a really good value edge, right? That's that's what I'll be doing in Kenya this week. And with these players, everybody knows everything, right? So it becomes more a ma matter of opinion and who you just happen to fancy. But it was never going to be that one bookmaker went, oh, 33 to 1 Justin Thomas this week. And I could go, oh, that's wrong. It just doesn't work like yeah. that in these events. So it becomes more who you who you think is is sort of primed to play well. And I think both Cantlay and Thomas, 
you know, both of them played well in patches last week. Um, I, I think they've got a lot in their favour, so they'll they'll do for me. Great stuff. And they just coming back to your trends piece. Obviously, the names that it that it that it evaluated for you and came out on top. John Rahm, you mentioned, obviously, no surprise to to, to many of us uh, listening. Who particularly of the names it spat out? Who are you particularly liking? Yeah, I like Matt Fitzpatrick. I think if you're looking, I, I said that stat about uh, major winners doing well. I think the one that kind of marries up closest with is, is the US Open. Um, you've got like Kaima winning. Um, you've got Webb Simpson winning, McElroy, Woods. So of all those recent major winners, kind of the US Open is the best represented one of those. You can see sort of why it's quite, you know, a bit of a grind and, you know, bad shots aren't far around the corner. You're looking at double bogeys as well. So um, I think maybe a certain sort of temperament does well in that. I think Matt Fitzpatrick as a US Open winner, um, he should do well here. He's got a sort of, you, you, you mustn't get too scared about their past course form because if, if you're just a little bit off, you can just mean a missed mm-hmm. cut. You look at Augusta records of the top players, it's like 10th, 8th, 3rd, 7th, 15th, and it's all good every all the time. Easier to make the cut there, obviously. Um, but in this one, look at someone like McElroy, load of missed cuts, then a few good years, then a missed cuts, then he wins, and then... A, it's just sort of up and down. So I think what you need is just some evidence they can play it well. And Fitzpatrick was um, ninth there a couple of years ago. Uh, go, I think he was second at halfway. So he he's shown he can play well on this course. He's also really good in Florida. He was 14th at Bay Hill last week, which I thought was good because it's a bit under the radar. I never really took much out of him. And that was his eighth top 15 in his last 10 Florida starts. So this part of America... He just seems to enjoy the grasses and, and consistently play well. Um, so he just looks like a guy who's, you know, he's elevated, isn't he? Now he's won that US Open. He's chest out, strides yeah. to the tree, to the tee. Knows he can hit it further now as well. So, yeah, he's so, I mean, he, we're going 12 places on the sports book. He's 28. That's fine. You know, it, it could, you know, you get a top 10, top 11, 12. That's still a decent each way bet. On the exchange, he's 50s at the time of recording this. You know, we're not looking at we're not looking at a player who you think, oh, he might just sneak seventh. He can go out and win a big event, can't he? So, yeah, that's certainly he's the one for me that I, I like. Um, not just because of the trends. I, I was I was kind of glad he came out on top because I was looking mm. at him anyway. I, I did look back. I backed him last year in this event. So clearly, I've got Matt Fitzpatrick as a potential winner of this event. So hopefully. It'll be this year. I think it's a good fit, and I think you're bang on with the temperament um, side of things as well. I think you, you need. I remember I've covered the players' championship. It must be what for about eight, nine years. And the thing that always comes up in post-round interviews is patience, patience, patience. It's you know, I think visually intimidating from the T, the Pete Dye design, but patience and just keeping it in control of your emotions always comes up when talking to the players uh, so we've kind of gone to the top there we're looking at sort of tournament winners we've got some good odds and a couple of names from both of you what about each way where's where's maybe a good bet Ben for each way and Betfair um, just to remind listeners paying up to 12 places on each way bets at TPC Sawgrass this year so do get involved but for each way bets for, for the players championship Ben where's where are you kind of thinking where are you looking I certainly wouldn't discourage anyone from taking a real chance here, especially with those 8, 10 and 12 places. We have seen some huge, there were two players outside the top 300 in the world uh, place here last year. Um, 
and a load of similar outcomes down the years where you've had play. I mean, Siwoo Kim, Dave's right. He wasn't that far down the world rankings, but he was 500 to one in a place uh, on the Monday of the week he won. And he played well the week before. So you can find players like that. Brandon Wu's one. He finished 14th in the Honda Classic a couple of weeks ago, had last week off, you know, really talented young player. He's pretty accurate off the tees, approach plays good, 300 to one. You know, there are loads of options like that. The two that I'm sort of, have given me most to think about a little bit further up uh, a Tom Kim and Shane Lowry. There is one very good reason not to back Tom Kim, and that's that he's a debutant and there have been two debutants win here in 40 years. If you take that out of it, I do like the fact that he won the Wyndham Championship. That's been a really good pointer. So Webb Simpson, Sergio Garcia, Henrik Stenson, Davis Love, uh, loads of other players, Kevin Kisner, Adam Scott have gone well at the Wyndham and, and won this. Um very old school traditional golf course as is this one and and the other thing i really like is that you know of the elite players probably up there with a morikawa or a hovland they'd be more accurate off the tee um mm. than than most and I, and I do think that's worth quite a lot so um tom kim's one i'm i'm really considering and the other shane lowry um in terms of horses for courses you know the last two years here he's played fantastically well he's had a hole in one at the 17th i think that was last year um we know he's a big money big time player you know he's won the bmw pga a wgc a major championship tends to get up for those big events um and i actually he played poorly at bay hill but he never made the cut there before so he, to make the cut might feel like a little victory to him and i actually think it could really benefit him to just have a, a weekend where he's not in the mix because obviously mm -hmm. he had his Sadly, his uncle passed away the week before and when he played really well in the Honda Classic, he considered withdrawing. He, he probably just needed a bit of a break. And although he did play all four rounds last week, he was not in the tournament. So um, hopefully that's just sort of taken him off the radar and allowed him to recharge a little bit mentally um, because we know this is a great course for him. I'm with you on Shane. I actually picked out three. I had the same as you with JT. I think I love his creativity around this golf course, this layout. Shane Lowry, I think, Definitely the creativity, the short game skills. I think that's pivotal tight lies at Sawgrass. I also had Jason Day as well. Um, Dave, any any thoughts yes. on each way bets for you? And, and Jason Day, is, do, you, do you like that yeah. shout? Yeah, I absolutely do. Yeah, I'm putting Jason Day up. I mean, he's just every week he's playing well, isn't he? And if you look at, um, say, the last couple of weeks, I think he's finished ninth and 10th. So if you can back him with those extra each way places, you'll, you'll be winning this time. So that's, that's all good. Obviously, he won this event before. I, yeah. I, I checked. He, he's actually got three wins on Pete Dye tracks. He won at Whistling Straits and the uh, match play at Austin. He won as well. Um, it's just every week. And, and you, you're looking at the breakdown of his numbers. He's really good in all the strokes gained stats, Jason Day, at the minute. So there's no weakness there at all. So he looks like someone who will definitely be in the mix. Really good. I mean, it wasn't just like he won here and that was it. He's got other good performances here. So, yeah, I really like that show. I like Corey Connors as well. Again, I think he'll benefit from uh, 12 each-way places for if you're, if you're a punter because he seems to play really well but not sort of super well. And he often he'll finish like 11th or 18th. So he's really close to getting into each-way places, but maybe just a shot or two off. So with a bit of leeway in the each-way terms this week. And I found a quote where that, that old classic where he said, I love the course. I know it's, you could say it's a platitude, but some clearly won't love the course no. and they'll kind of dance around it, but he, he does. And you can see why it's right up his street. Obviously, with him, you think the putter, but he's put in in the last two events, he's gained strokes on the green. So I thought that was quite a nice little positive for him. 
And then if you wanted a, a three-figure price, I looked at Davis uh, Riley as well. I think, Ben, you quite like him in various events down the years. Eighth at Bay Hill, and then he was runner-up at the Valspar. So in Florida, we've seen some good things from Davis Riley. Again, he's making his debut, but not necessarily expecting him to win. But I think, you know, he could run into a place, one of the sort of slightly surprised names who could run into a place. Okay, good stuff. Ben, for you, where's potentially some value in the market then for this week for the players? I looked at Matt Kucha, um, who, you know, it's only two weeks ago. He was nearly favourite for the Honda Classic and missed the cup, but he shot 75-69. He just had a bad first day at a course where that, you know, that can happen. Um, got back on track with a, a second round 69. Obviously a former champion here, loads of good efforts down the years. Uh, and he was in the top 10 at Riviera. So if he just hadn't played the Honda Classic, I think he'd be a lot shorter in the betting um, than he is. I think there's a an argument that Webb Simpson's getting there slowly and another former champion, but I didn't really think actually, if you look at his record, I'm, I'm not convinced it's a great course for him. He just had a, one of those weeks where it all came together and, and he putted the lights out. Uh, and just the other one um, that was on the list to some degree was Tom Hoagie. Um, he's a bit of a sort of unsung hero of the the sort of world's top 30 or 40 at the minute. Cause he's, he's a bit old school and doesn't do anything flashy, but he is one of the better iron players in the sport. Um, he's got a good record here, putted badly last year. I think he was the second best player in the field from tee to green. Um, and, you know, he won at Pebble Beach and I think that's probably a decent enough guide. So they're some of the names I've been looking at at big prices. As I said before, I, I don't think there are many you'd rule out. And Dave's mentioned Davis Riley. Justin Sir would be a great fit for this course. It's just, you know, can he do it on debut? We'll see. But um, yeah, I'd, I'd almost guarantee that in that top 12, you'll have a couple at absolutely massive prices it's just finding that Kurt Kitty armor yeah exactly which is not easy to do but you're right players the sawgrass always throws up a couple uh Dave for you any any other names you want to pick out any uh little side bets you might want to mention as well well we're going to talk about the hole in one there's odds isn't there on the hole in one at 17 mm -hmm. it's one of those ones I could give you stats and that but sometimes you just want a bit of a laugh and a bit of a fun bet don't you and you think I'd imagine how miserable your life is to want there to be no hole in one there. Just don't have the bet. I, I would just <laughs> bet for a hole in one, take the better price. You, you know, it's just fun, isn't it? Because, you know, there's some sort of fun on sort of some macabre level of people going in the water and it bouncing off. But surely on a par three, you want to see that ball go in the hole. Um, so did Ben say Shane Larry did it last year? Was that right? He did, yeah. yeah. And I do think it's worth saying that as things stand, it's forecasting really yeah. calm. So, you know, last year there was a hole in one. Um, and yet there must have been however many balls there were in the water. It was carnage there last year. Well, this year, the 17th should play about as easy as it gets. Um, and with a bit of firmness in the greens, because I think that's how they'll try and defend this course. You're going to get on Saturday, I imagine, when they have that front pin, you are going to get a lot of balls running down that slope towards the pin. So you will have some fun uh, if you choose to take the 15 to 8, I think it is. As Dave said, if you go back through history, 15 to 8 is a terrible price. But there are circumstances in which it's not so terrible. And I think um, this is probably one of them. It's a bit like when people back there to be a hole in one at the 16th hole at um, Augusta every year with that Sunday pin position. You, you're going to get a dozen balls running towards that hole and it'll be good fun if one of them hit the flag and, and went in. I just just yeah. back Victor Hovland to get a hole in one. What was he had four? 
this this season is it something crazy like it's that. something crazy isn't it yeah yeah, yeah. good at the so, hole in ones not so good at the old chipping but never mind no, but got, <laughs> yeah generally generally golfers are good aren't they these these golfers are good so if you don't get it there's going to be you're going to get the sort of adrenaline rush there'll be balls that threaten the hole all the time just hopefully one of them drops in i'll be like fred couples that year when he just dunked it straight in Although that, that, exactly. Although I think that was his third, wasn't it? I think it was, yeah. Gone in the was. water, but you take the point. Yeah, as you said, they're 15 to 8, offering those odds for a hole in one at the penultimate hole 17. It is a treat, though, isn't it? I mean, look, I've, I've been, I've covered it. it it's just, it's, a, it's an amphitheater. It's like nothing else. And I think it comes at such a, a, one, a wonderful time in the round. You know, you've got 18 up ahead as well. But isn't it brilliant drama? Let's be honest. It, you know, it's like 16 at Phoenix. These holes just become totally iconic and it's great viewing absolutely i mean that's what we're after we're after people you know watching golf enjoying it talking about what happened and also sort of being able to relate to it and that's what i like about yeah. both those holes that like i i'm i'm pretty rubbish at golf but i could stand on the 17th tier sawgrass and make a birdie that is within my gift if i was on a good day right whereas some of these 240 yard par threes that you watch you sort of think well i i would not have fun on that hole um so if i could play one par three in golf i well, I'd probably go for the 12th of Augusta, but you know what I mean. They're the ones you choose, right? They're the, they're the ones that yeah. give us something to uh, to look forward to. And yeah, as long as we don't get a runaway winner this year, the, the great thing about the players, as long as there are two players within sort of three shots of each other come Sunday, they're going to have to hit that shot. Um, and it doesn't matter how calm it is. You get it slightly wrong. You've you've lost the tournament. We've seen it happen. Um, so it's it's got a great rhythm to it, hasn't it? The fact that we build towards that crescendo, as you said, Sarah. Sixteen, you can make an eagle. Seventeen, you can make you could go three five, couldn't you? They're par five and par three, and you could go three five. So, yeah, it'll be good fun on Sunday. Well, remember the finish Ricky, Ricky Fowler had a few years ago. For me, that is still one of the best finishes ever to a golf championship. I, I think it was just, um, and that's what Pete Dye wanted. He wanted the closing stretch to produce and provide drama. And it absolutely does. I think it's a wonderful layout and it's always a terrific week. Okay, guys, nearly time. Just in summary then, just wrap up, just remind uh, listeners uh, your picks uh, for the week and some of the um, some of the value as well. Dave, just back to you, just the names uh, for our listeners. Yeah, so for uh, the 12 places, I'll go Matt Fitzpatrick, uh, Jason Day and Corey Connors. Uh, I think Fitzpatrick and Day are both 28s, Connors 40s. And you could play them in the eight each way places or even 10, but 12 gives you a bit of security. It's nice to get return on the week, isn't it? And just looking at the exchange, Fitzpatrick is 50s. You know, sometimes you think, well, I, I want to get the each way money. He can win a big event like this. So yeah, he'll be he'll be my one. He can go out there and win it. So that would be a that'd be a lovely way to, to spend Sunday night, wouldn't it? Matt Fitzpatrick on the 18th. Billy Foster there, another big win, 50 to 1. Thank you. Nice. Ben? I'm going to say Justin Thomas will become a two-time players champion. It's a really small group of players who've done that down the years. Obviously, last year he became a two-time US PGA champion. He's won loads of events twice. Um, and I think this could be the latest of them. Again, if you head to the exchange with him, you, you might get four or five points bigger um, if you wanted to back him win only. Um, but Justin Thomas is, is my main one. But watch out for Shane Lowry. I, I do think a, a nice quiet weekend at bay hill if he can recharge this is just the sort of event we could imagine him winning and as dave said you know major champions have generally done well here uh, and i think he'll uh, he'll enhance what's already a good course record 
Great stuff, guys. I've got high hopes for all your picks for this week. So I look forward to discussing those when we uh, reconvene again. Just to remind listeners that Betfair paying up to 12 places on each way bets at TPC Sawgrass. Remember, please do gamble responsibly. Uh, thanks to my guests, Ben and Dave. Always a pleasure. Um, enjoy the Players' Championship and we'll see you soon. We'll be back for Augusta to preview the Masters. Bye for now.